Welcome back to another episode of Cap and Trade. Good to see everybody. I am your host, Texans Cap. You can follow me on Twitter at Texans Cap if you prefer the written form, capandtrade.substack.com. So we got a ton of news to get to tonight. Uh, we will have our guest, Mike Meltzer, hop in here in just a quick second. But uh, if you're new to the channel, we'd cover all things NFL dabble into some salary cap and contracts and anything in between. So if you've got any questions, comments, throw them up on the board. We'll get to as much as we can. Make sure you hit that subscribe and your like button. And let's bring Mike in here. Hey, good evening, sir. Cap, what's going on, man? How are you? I am very good, man. Excited, excited. Busy, busy time. A lot going on. A lot dud going of, on. Dud of a free agency, but the NFL finds a way to make it a busy, busy thing no matter what. Yeah, it was not expected to be uh, – it's not a super talented class, but there yeah. has obviously been a ton going on this week. Yeah, I don't even know where to start. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, we'll start right with Houston. You know, it's – as expected, we knew it was going to be – or at least we expected to be quantity <laughs> again because they had yes, so, many, so many roster spots to fill. I mean, they only had, what, 52 players under contract before they started this process. So they're already up to – 10 new players signed, one player traded for, uh, three or four re-signings, got another player visiting tomorrow. Um, just busy, busy, busy. But just from a, a high-level view, what's your initial take on what Nick Casario and D'Amico Ryans and the Texans are, are doing so far? Cap, you may not like this, and I imagine the audience may not love this. <laughs> I'm going to give Casario like a C or C-plus for what I've seen. And I got reasons for it. Now, there are some moves I like, so we like to begin with the positive. I like signing Case Keenum. Makes a whole lot of sense for what they're going to do at quarterback, likely at number two. Uh, I like the trade of Shaq Mason to fortify the offensive line, You know, put a guard next to Howard. I thought that made sense. Um, Jimmy Ward, I thought, was a pretty reasonable signing, apparently with Petrie, and it makes sense. Um, my frustration is he's doing the same thing that he's done in 2021, in 2022 now he's doing in 2023 it is a lot of volume and i don't know if this is the right way to build a roster considering how weak the roster is relative to the other 31 teams um there was the theory that oh what nick did in 2021 and 2022 was sort of a temporary thing before they got more cap space they got a new coach who they're actually going to build with and yet we have seen largely more of the same. Uh, so that is my frustration. Now, to cut off like the following questions. Well, who did you expect him to sign? Like, do you expect him to max out the cap? No. Here is my thought. Cap, this is not a great free agency class. I thought it was fairly mediocre. Here yes. is what I wanted. They didn't have to sign five guys like the Bears at a huge money. My thought was one to two to three signings that were like, three to four year deals of people who were 26, 27 years of age, who you plug in and you're thinking, okay, this person can be a somewhat critical part of the next playoff team. And I am surprised that Nick Casario has chosen not to do that. That is why I am not thrilled with what's happened so far. Now, because I think they have the right coach and I think they'll draft the right quarterback, 
my pessimism is vastly tempered. But that is my disappointment with what's happened over these three days. Well, you say I wouldn't be happy with that. I'm pretty much in agreement with you. Um, I don't mm. – I'm not overly concerned with what they're doing as compared to the last two years. I feel like it's a slight upgrade in talent than the player, the type of players they have signed the last two years. But, again, I think this coaching staff potentially could be stronger than the past two staffs, so maybe that can bring out the talent a little more. Um we, you know, I'm not too concerned about familiarity. I mean, I, you know, like you said, they're bringing in Jimmy Ward and, you know, Denzel Perryman. If he, if he signs, he's got some, he's got some background with this scheme, but from an overall perspective, I feel like the talent level is just slightly better, but I didn't, I thought maybe they might make one splash signing. You know, I just thought, you yes. know, show a little something. You know, and that just, ha- you know, maybe the Sheldon Rankins is, is Nick Casario's version of a, of a splash signing one year to ten and a half million. But at least they're, they seem to be, at least they didn't bring like five players in from the 49ers or some crap like that. That was one thing I was going to be really worried about. I, I get that they had a successful team that had, you know, a successful roster, but I, I wanted them to do what they're doing is at least is like find some variety across the league. And, you know, some of the players that they re-signed, which I was excited about with MJ Stewart. I think he's very good special teams. Tavier Thomas news just came out on him, which I was way off. I was good with that. I'm ecstatic for that deal. One year, 2.75 or 2.25 million. I figured he was going to get four or five, maybe almost $6 million a year. That one blew me away. But there's nothing egregious per se with majority of the contracts that they've signed. No, you know, they're all, again, one to two years. I've run out of reasons to explain why they're only doing one and two year deals, why there's nothing three or four or long-term or anything like that. Um, you know, we've heard Casario say two-year windows. I I wish I could get a little more color from the team on why they're doing yeah. one and two-year deals. I would like beyond just saying it's a two-year window and the, the roster changes, the league changes, but there's got to be some kind of philosophy mentality to that type of contract structure being utilized over and over. Do you think that this might be a dumb question, but just because Nick Asirio says he looks at the team in two-year windows, does that necessarily mean that each contract has to be two years or less? Because I I don't think the answer to that is yes. I I don't think so either. I I think you can still look at two-year windows and still sign players beyond that. But I, I, I mean, I've searched high and low. I can't, I've listened to every, every time Casario speaks, I've listened to him speak and I just can't find anything publicly stated that aligns with why they continue to do this. I'm, I'm not too <laughs> concerned about it. I, I, the fan base seems a little more concerned about the one and two year deals. Um, I don't know if it's more from a, from a protection standpoint, injury protection standpoint, anything like that. Maybe there's something that I'm missing on the back end that, that aligns with why they're doing these one and two year deals. But, I I don't know, and it, you know, it is what it is. It, it seems like that's going to be his mo. And I'm, you know, if that you don't overpay in free agency, you see all these teams spinning, you know, like the Chicago Bears. I, you know, I think they're what they're doing is a, for the most part a good thing. But they had a lot of money they had to spend. It wasn't a need to spend. They had to spend it to meet the threat, the cash. They did, pressure. yes. But majority of the time, and I've said it on here numerous times, numerous times over and over, free agency, you're paying top of the market value for a player that you're not probably more than likely are not going to get the return on that investment. 
And so I don't think it's a very good – it doesn't concern me that they're not making any big splashes. They, Like I said, maybe the Rankins is their big splash guy. They've added a few veterans. Like you said, I, I think the age thing is a, is a valid point. Like Jimmy Ward's 32, Rankins is 29. Um, the age thing is a big deal. Yeah, Robert Woods is, what, 31, 32. And so bringing in yes. a little bit older players – He's been players there is, forever. Yeah, yeah. So that that part's a little bit of concern, but the, I think the overall the roster will probably get younger just by fact of another very large draft class coming in. So I agree it, with that. But it's I, mean, I, 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 I think, but real quick, just I, yeah. I agree with you though. I you know if I had to put a grade on, it's like a B minus C plus. It's nothing just nothing that majorly concerns me, but nothing just makes me go, wow, that's exactly what we needed. I just think because uh, I'm going through NFL NFL.com's free agency tracker because they do a good job of it, kind of breaking it down what every team has done. And my thing is like if people are thrilled with 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 what Houston has done under the theory of like oh teams overpay in free agency, I mean I'm not so not every team in the league has signed players to three year deals or more in this offseason. But cap, I'm looking through these teams whether it's you know I'm just kind of going through divisions like most of these teams have invested at least one to two deals that are three years or more. Do people who are defending Casario at every turn think that literally every team in the league is wrong when it comes to that? Like that, that is my confusion on this. Like I'm just going through some of these, like the 49ers signed Hargrave. That's a four-year deal. The Seahawks signed Jones, who I wanted. That's a three-year deal for 51 million. Well, here, we'll, we'll throw them up on the screen. I've, yeah. So for, so for everybody's about to see this document, this is, this is your peek behind the curtain. Um, this is the document <laughs> that the Albert Breers, Aaron Wilson, the James, I'm Palmer, intrigued all these, when you see them rattling off all these contract numbers, this yes. is the doc. This is the exact same document they're looking at. Okay. It's not overly crazy. Let me make it a little bit. Well, no, that's not going to work, but it's literally just a rundown contract the, the basics of yeah. each deal it yeah. doesn't it doesn't have any any contract language in it it'll have some notes about up to you know up to let's see if we can find one here right here andrew beck up to two hundred fifty thousand in playing time incentives but doesn't have the breakdown in the details i have to wait till i see the actual contract itself to break it down but when you start scanning through these so this is the unrestricted free agent one there's one for uh street free agents and extensions but you start going through these. I mean, Ben Powers is a four-year deal, but three-year for TJ, three for Jimmy, three for Tuttle, one, three, two, three, one. There's a four for Tremaine Edwards. That was a big deal, and they front-loaded the that, crap out of that one. That was a big deal, yes. There's two four-year deals, but you start going through these. Everything is two three-year deals. So I, the I, majority I, I, of the league is is doing that. Here's a bit of a random question. Big guy. Yeah. What teams in the NFL, uh, this might put you on the spot, but I don't think too much. What teams in the league do you think have the most analogous overall situation to Houston's? Like just off the top of your head, if you're like, what team do you think is in kind of like a generally similar situation to the Texans? Because I want to do a kind of an experiment here. Like, would you say maybe Carolina would fit in that category? Yeah. It's got to be a team that doesn't have a quarterback. Yeah. New coaching, new, new coaching staff. Could we argue Indianapolis and Carolina are both pretty similar? Yeah, I think to Houston. I think Indy's roster was maybe a l- in Carolina. It's better. So, 
they're both in a better place than Houston's are, but agreed. From a high level view, yeah, they're pretty similar. So so let's look at some of these teams. So Indianapolis, they have not you know signed a whole bunch of guys, but no. they signed Ebukam, who I think the Texans are probably in on to a three yeah, year deal were. for twenty seven million. Yeah, so that that's one. Now we look at let me go down to the there's, NFC there's South here. Yeah, so he signed twenty four eight million per year, ten point seven five guaranteed on a three year deal. So yeah, I mean I don't. It seemed like Houston was big on on a few different players, uh, Ebukam and and the the linebacker as well that they missed out on, I think also went to, or went to Tennessee, but yes. I, you know, Shire. maybe they're, yeah, maybe their their valuations are just a little bit lower than sure. what the market commanded. Well, let's look at Carolina multi-year deals handed out Hayden Hurst, tight end Bradley Bozeman on a re-sign uh, shy Tuttle. Who's a defensive lineman. Uh, they signed Von Bell. I don't know how many years that is. Miles Sanders. They just signed tonight uh, was, I'm guessing, you know, some four year. Money. It's a four year deal. Yeah. So like, Again, I understand teams can build in different ways and there are different philosophies, but to some extent, like the NFL is a zero sum game in that there's almost always a winner and a loser at every game. So like we can't say, and I get the teams have their own situations, but like if Carolina is doing this and the Texans are doing that, like somebody's going to end up being wrong uh, yeah. on these deals. Someone's going to be right. Someone's got to be wrong on this stuff. And most teams from what I've seen cap, they're handing out at least one to two three-year contracts so far in the first three days. That is why I'm puzzled by Casario's strategy. Let me also add this other point. Um, it, it was uh, Let me find it here. Somebody made a point. Oh, Travis, uh, you don't build through free agency, and we don't really have a good core of young players to build around just yet. Here is my question to that, and tell me what you think, Cap. Hmm. If you believe hey, free agency is a bad way to build a football team, which I think we all kind of agree to an extent, an extent. But if you believe that, then why should you be thrilled by signing Sheldon Rankins to a one-year deal for $10 million? I'm not saying it's a bad signing. I think, I think Rankins is a, is a useful player, premium position, critical for D'Amico Ryan's defense. But, but if your theory is like, hey, we can't build the roster through free agency – then why should you simultaneously be thrilled by giving a guy for a year at a big cap number? Because that salary is going to be like the number that's going to be the cap hit. And if he leaves in a year and the way Casario does it, I feel like it's almost impossible to to get compensatory picks. Plus, I don't know that Rankins is going to sign like some huge deal next year, given his history. Like, that's my question. If you feel like this team is, it's too early to like, you know, spend a lot of money, then why should you be thrilled by Sheldon Rankins? It doesn't really make a whole lot of logical sense. And I'm not even saying it's a bad move. Yeah, I think, I mean, we know why the quantity was there the first two years, because they just didn't have draft picks carrying over from the previous regime, then the no draft picks in 2021, finally started getting some picks in 2020, 2022. And then, as we all know, there's 11 more on the books this year. And that's what drive that quantity. But at some point you've got to hit once you hit on a few of these players, you need to try to retain them, I guess. I mean, like Okoronkwo, you, you hit on him and he ended up up going on for more money. And I I get, I I'm fine with letting him walk. I'm, I, but I think it's, it's not specific to him. I'm just saying in general, if you're going to keep doing this, signing a batch of 20, 
you know, 20 free agents, you've got to land on a couple of them to where they become foundation mainstays in your roster. But if you keep signing 29, 31, 32 year old players, your percentage of finding that piece is very, very low. It's already low to begin with free agency, but it's even more low in that place. So that's back to your point in the beginning where you say you were hoping to at least see some younger players, whether it's a big splash or not, but find somebody who's a little bit younger that may give you that opportunity to re-sign them for an extended period of time. Well, this is my, and I was on the, I was on the air on ESPN 97.5 today with um, Jake Asman and Brad Kellner. And the point that I made to them was I I used the phrase excess roster value, which I think I made up or maybe stole from somebody. (laughs) But but the, the concept was like, if you're in a situation like Houston is in, where you're not contending for the playoffs, but you're trying to build up the roster, then I think what you want to do is find some way to invest in players who create more value for you moving forward. Like one simple example would be Joe Shane takes over for, uh, in New York. He trades Kadarius Tony, who's a disappointment as a number one pick, to Kansas City to land a pick that they then turn into Darren Waller. That to me is what we call good resource management. And so I, I compare and contrast. You mentioned Okoronkwo. Jerry Hughes was a nice find for them. Steven Nelson, um, Desmond King. But here's the problem that I have. So I'm looking at this. I, I watch every game, right? We all watch every game. So Desmond King's been a fine signing. So is Steven Nelson. So, so is Jerry Hughes. But what are we getting out of this? Like, they've played well on defense for a team that won three games this past year. And I believe three games or four games, sorry, in 2021. So you make these signings. King was here two years. The other guy's there for a year. So, like, you get good seasons in years where your team is nowhere close to the postseason. So, like, what does that ultimately turn into? Now, you can tell me, hey, that is proof that Nick Casario is a solid or good talent evaluator. And that may very well indeed be the case. But what I'd like to have happen or prefer to have happen is you sign Jerry Hughes. He, cut, he has a nice start. You trade him, if possible, for like a fifth-round pick. I don't know if that's realistic or not, by the trade deadline. Therefore, you take a nice signing and a nice evaluation, and you turn it into something that could be a four-year positive for you moving forward. That is my frustration with some of the names I mentioned, plus the Okoronkwo thing. Yeah, I think think when Casario first came in, I was expecting kind of a, a big reset. And there was a reset on the salary cap. But I never felt like there was a that big, massive reset on the roster. It just felt like a continuation of something with no direction the last two years. So there's a little bit of a direction this year, but it feels like the same thing, like you said in the beginning. It just feels like I don't, I don't know where this team is trying to go. And I'm hoping yes. with the draft, you know, having another set of draft picks, another set of draft picks next year, Hopefully the team sign, you know, finds a quarterback in the draft this year. And that putting all those pieces together will finally define that direction. But today I still don't know what it is. And then you still get all these rumors about not even sure if Houston's going to take a quarterback or not. And if, yeah, wh- if that were to where is that happen, where is I'd that coming from? Thoroughly confused on the I would be thoroughly confused on the direction. So Yes. So well, even can I, I let me give you another example. There's a, yeah, go ahead. I, just this is actually a re-signing. Yeah, Scott we'll Quesenberry, right? So Scott Quesenberry, when he came in for Justin Britt, did not play very well. They <laughs> re-signed Scott Quesenberry, which you know Rivers McCown made the point, which I kind of agree with that. Like 
if a guy plays that poorly, like I don't even know if it's a good idea for both sides to have a re-signing there. But then like I'm looking at the cap table and Scott Questenberry's I, I know this is not like an overwhelming amount, but like the the cap hit, the cap number on Questenberry this year is three million bucks. So like it's something. I don't think that guy is good at football. And I'm presuming they draft a quarterback at number two overall. They need a center. So why is the cap at $3 million for somebody who I think you would actively not want to be your starting center? These are the things that are puzzling. Yeah, to me. that one I didn't, <laughs> didn't quite, quite, quite agree with, but and the, the unfortunate part with his cap number, the base value is like 2.1 million or something like that. And there's like 900 million in incentives, but because it's all playtime incentives. And because he played every, almost every single game last year, all those incentives are likely to be earned. So they're all hitting on the cap this year. So if he doesn't play much this year, which we hope would be the expectation that he's just yes. depth, they'll end up getting a credit on that 900,000 <laughs> and next year. So, you know, it comes off, comes on the book one way or another, but it's just, I, I that's probably the one re-signing that I disagree with. And I get it. But from, how about Eric I, Murray? <laughs> yeah i want to wait and see we can't get rid punch. of this guy <laughs> i thought you know and i've heard it over and over that they 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 want to get rid of the bill o'brien contract stink and you're going <laughs> to revise and restructure eric murray again so i'm going to wait and hold my opinion on that until i see that contract i probably won't he signed it today so i probably won't see it until friday or saturday but i mean but at least we didn't have that massive re-signing group like we did last year you know, it felt like just a, a holdover, you know, yeah. so far only, you know, four re-signings Two, you know, two of them are questionable. The other two I think are, are worthy signs with, well, three of them counting weeks, you know, Tavier Thomas and MJ Stewart. So, you know, we'll see. And then I'm trying to remember what I was going to say and I forgot and I've lost my, well, uh, thank goodness they are cutting AJ can and yeah. Mario Addison. I was about yeah, to get to that. So they got Jalen Reeves Maven, who's supposed to be released. They had to wait, and AJ Can. They had to wait till today, which they ha- sounds like maybe they're going to do it tomorrow. And then Mario Addison, I I agree with that one. And it sounds like I don't know, maybe Kirksey's going to be another one, a questionable, Please. a question mark. If they end up signing Perriman or another linebacker, my expectation would be that Kirksey would probably be released at that point. But yeah, it's just see, they've missed the, out on so cap. many, so many yeah. linebackers so far. Well, that that's the thing. Like they have, they, they still, and, and they're calling some of them. But you know, I'll text with friends of mine, and I'll just like look at this roster and be like, and I'll, I'll look not not like the depth chart, but I'll look at the cap numbers, like on over the cap, and I'll and I'll I'll constantly have this feeling of like, why does this guy exist? Why does that guy exist? And there are a few left. <laughs> uh, uh, Eric Murray being one of them. Kirksey being like, I'm looking at this Kirksey thing, and it's like. His cap hit this year is six point two five million. He's not good. Like, what? Why does he exist on this roster? <laughs> what are we doing here? Like, this is this is opportunity cost that is being lost by that number. Yeah, let's see. Here. Someone's saying let's... Orlando Brown just signed a big deal. Yeah, I know. I see that. I was gonna do my little <gasps> Bengals. Wow, they. Spend, I like that. They normally don't spend money, and they they spend a yeah. little money. Uh... They spent a little money last offseason, which was rare for or for Mike Brown and, and the and the Bengals. So four years, 64 million, 31 uh, largest signing bonus. Yeah, that's how 
that's how Cincinnati does things. They don't even guarantee the first year salary. They just do gigantic signing bonus with a roster bonus a year too. 31 million signing bonus, so 64, four years, so 15, 16 months, man. That's man, that's probably about right for him. And that was, you know, that's a good segue because I wanted to I wanted to get your take on this, Mike. So yes. Speaking of Kansas City and Orlando Brown or leaving leaving Kansas City, you know, they signed Jawan Taylor to the big $80 million, $20 million per year contract in KC to backfill that left tackle spot. You know, he played right tackle his whole his NFL career so far, and they feel confident that he can move over to left tackle. And there was yes. There was rumors floating around that Casey was interested in Laramie Tunsil via trade, which would obviously come with a new contract. I'm trying to get in my head, and and Jawan Taylor had a good year this past year, but it was kind of a, it was a one, you know, it's his first good solid year performance. And you compare that up to Tunsil, who's nearly been all pro, you know, multiple times in his career. At what point? How do you justify not wanting to sign Tunsil at $25 million a year, but you're fine with signing Juwan Taylor at $20 million a year? And I've just been fascinated yeah. with that, that evaluation between those two players. I get the draft capital that it would have to come with it. Let's just say for the sake of this argument that it would be the 31st pick, you know, the last pick in the draft, maybe that they would give up for Tunsil. I would much rather have a future 2024, you know, a future one, Speaking on variance because it's just more than likely going to be higher, but what it just blows me away that like if you were if you really were serious, you know, five million dollars a year was was enough for you to say no, nah, we'll just go back to this guy. Well, I probably would have done the same thing if I were them, and it fits what they did last off season because they redistributed the resources allocated Tyreek Hill into all the picks that they got. And they ended up winning the Super Bowl. And they nailed um, on two of those offensive line picks. My goodness. Absolutely. Um, so I think for them, I think, I think number I think first round picks, I mentioned this on my show on Sirius XM last week. Uh, to me, first round picks are like gold. Um, they're, they're to me the backstop of any NFL team, because when you don't have them and you have a bad season, it, it completely cripples you. And they're always the backstop to, if everything goes to hell, at least we get the draft capital that is commensurate with how bad our record was. Uh, in this case, it's 31, so it's locked in. I just, if I were them, I probably would have thought, okay, you know, Taylor's somebody who's been hyped at the University of Florida, kind of up and down career, but he finished on a high note in Jacksonville. You can plug him in at either spot. Um, they had experience with Orlando Brown himself, a guy who played a right tackle mostly in Baltimore, going to left tackle. If I don't have to give up the first round pick, then that's worth the cap savings. I think for what Brett Veach and Andy Reid have done in Kansas City, I think that calculation actually makes a lot of sense because those those to me the first round picks are like gold. Um, so that's why if I were them, even though I think Tunsil is a much better player than Taylor, what they did made sense. That's fair. And that you know they have an established interior line, Joe Tooney, who's a left guard, and so you know hopefully Taylor will work well next to Tooney. But that was just a an interesting pivot for me on how on how that whole situation played out. And for those that are asking. I haven't heard anything on Tunsil and an extension. I, I keep working under the impression that it's when, not if, but you never know with Casario's. He seems to be a wild card on those kind of things, but you, you would kind of expect that deal to get done sooner or later because they are getting a little short on cap space and they are going to have a, a very, very large expensive draft class that they're going to have to sign. So they're probably going to have to 
figure out something one way or another, whether it's a Brandon Cooks trade or Laramie Tunsil extension or both. Um, so the, it, go ahead. I'm just looking at that that contract. So 64. Okay, so he's getting about 16 million a year, or yep. I we don't we don't know, but it's something like that. Yeah, yeah, we'll assume that's yeah. the base value. It's hard to know with those initial reports if it's got any boy new kind of things. That seems like that's a pretty reasonable deal. It is. is it not? Yeah, yeah, 16 million for and huh and you know that Jonah what Jonah Williams plays left tackle over there, but he's not very good. I assume he's going to play left tackle for Cincy, but I would think so. Right tackle in Baltimore. So, you know, and there's either, either that or maybe Jonah slides over to right and, and uh, they put, I mean, even at right tackle at 16 million per year, that's still, that's still pretty well within the market. But if it's left tackle, then that's probably a pretty good, pretty good deal at that rate. You know, yeah. That looks like a great deal. Because I'd have to let's see where is that slot? It, they've invested a ton into the offensive line recently in Cincinnati. Uh, they had, yeah, they signed the two, the center and the and the guard and and uh, obviously yep. Collins and, yep. and then also. Collins, which Collins has been kind of a he got hurt. Yeah, so if he's sixteen million, that puts him right around. I mean, that's Jordan what he was Malata, making. Teron and Amstead at sixteen under DJ Humphrey at seventeen. So that's one, two, three, five. So that's that's like the eleventh high paid on on an APY metric. So that's I think that's pretty fair to be honest with you. And do they the, the, do they just think does Kansas City just think that Jawan Taylor is a better player than Orlando Brown? Because that that does that, not seem like the conventional wisdom on those players, which is interesting. Yeah, that that's one thing I'd I'd love to kind of look into in the next few days is where did that evaluation come from? Maybe they had a broken relationship from the, from the tag and they could get never, never get anything worked out last year. I don't Fair. Who knows, but dropping that, you know, having him go out on the market at 16 million per, but to bring in Taylor at 20 million per, I mean, that that's a big projection on, on Taylor at left tackle compared to a player that you already had on the roster at, you know, at a lower, what potentially could be a lower number. So, but you never know. I mean, it's, it's, there could be something behind the scenes that we're completely unaware of. Um, Let's see here. So I wanted to get your take on Jimmy Garoppolo and yes, I, I'll admit it. I was completely off base on Jimmy Garoppolo. I, two hmm. or three people I talked to that talked to agents said left and right that his market is soft. There's barely any interest in him beyond one or two teams. He's not going to command more than 12, 15 million per year. And then just out of nowhere, 24 million per year, which came in pretty high compared to, to Houston's valuation. So I, I'm just, I'm very shocked that they're going to give him that kind of money. And I don't know why I don't, I mean, unless I feel like, so they, Don, I feel like Don Yee, his agent just really worked it out, really worked over. Ziegler and, and Vegas and work that deal up because I don't think it I don't think I mean 45 million total guaranteed I think it was like 30 31 or 20 or it's 22 5 at, at signing with another 22 5 vesting and in, in 12 in less than 12 months so it's almost a virtual 45 million guarantee and that just seems crazy to me for Jimmy Garoppolo 
So it seems like we have like a, a legitimate mid-tier of quarterback yes. salaries. My my middle class no. quarterback <laughs> class is back. I've been calling for it for like a month. Yeah. You've got Geno, Geno Smith, Smith. Yep. and Jimmy G. Yeah. I mean, you know, he, I, I get it in terms of like, did he really have a market to get that number? Because uh, I'm just, I, when I look at these contracts, and this is what I talk about on the radio, I'm always looking at a couple numbers. And you do a, you, you know, you're really like, in the weeds on this, but I always look at it from my standpoint, high level is how much guaranteed money, what's the average per year, and when can you when can you get out? Like how much guaranteed money and when can you get out of the deal uh, is ultimately my thing. Like this could be a one year deal for Garoppolo in that cap numbers twenty eight million in twenty twenty four, they could save money by cutting him. Uh, you know, the Geno Smith deal is basically like a one year contract. I fell from a Texan standpoint, I'm gonna connect something here. I compare the pursuit, quote unquote, of Jimmy Garoppolo to when the Texans uh, talked to Cliff Kingsbury that one day before they ended up hiring Bobby Slowick. And I will put this cap in the category of doing favors for friends. I think the reason why they met with Cliff, because I think somebody else met with Cliff, too, is even though when an NFL coach gets fired, they get the guaranteed money left on their deal. You also have what's called a duty to mitigate your damages, uh, which basically means you still have to like look for other jobs. So he can't t- like, it would be not ideal for him or not advisable to just literally go to Thailand and just like be there for two years. And so you have to show that like you're interviewing, you're like looking for work. So I think the Texans did, did Cliff Kingsbury a favor saying, Hey, we'll have you in the building. We'll chat and you will get your money from Arizona. Similarly, there are people like Nick Casario with relationships with Jimmy Garoppolo I don't think they ever had any intention of actually signing this guy. I think it made no sense for either side, them or him. And I'm not super high on Jimmy Garoppolo, but I also think he is comfortably one of the 32 best human beings on earth at being a quarterback. So to me, he was going to be a starter somewhere in the NFL in 2023. Why would he take a backup job in Houston? And in the alternative, why would they ever start him when they should be drafting a quarterback at number two? And I certainly, I absolutely do not want to be in a position to be drafting Will Anderson and then having Garoppolo at quarterback. So I think they did Garoppolo a favor by seeming like they were in on him, just like I think they did Cliff Kingsbury a favor by talking to him that one Friday or whatever it was about eh, a month and a half ago. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. And I, I think um, the message I got, because I was like, was Houston on it? And, he, and the person I was talking to said, I don't think they ever made an offer, which it kind of aligns with what you're thinking. Yeah. I mean, and, I mean, how would, how would Jimmy make sense for the Texans now? Like, could someone explain that there to was, me? Yeah. And there was, there was some interest in there. I, I don't know at what level, or maybe, you know, they, they were interested. They had their, their number. And it seems like Casario was sticking to his evaluations this off season, which I, I perfectly get. I perfectly get. I understand that you stick within your guardrails and maybe Garoppolo Donnie came in and said, no, this is the number we're looking for. And Houston said, no, that's good. Y'all go ahead. We're not, we're not going to get involved anymore in that. So I, maybe that's the, the path that it went down. Maybe, maybe Donnie just played it perfectly and made it seem like Houston had more interest than they did. But the thought process was there was a, an outside chance that if they were to sign Garoppolo, then they would look at try to trade down out of two, still get Anderson or get a, a very good defensive player and and go that path. But I think once Garoppolo's market 
came in at what it what it ended up at at 24, 24 plus per year, I think Houston had had a very quick no, we're not interested at, at that number. Yeah, it just did not make it did not really make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, and ultimately, I guess the Raiders they go from Carr to Garoppolo. They feel like Garoppolo is a better culture fit per that Albert Breer story. And it seems like Cap they saved a, a decent amount of money. Yeah. Even though the car deal was not guaranteed past 2022, it seemed like they they saved money uh, relative to getting Garoppolo instead of Carr. Yeah, I think uh, well, it, if that if Carr's guarantees kicked in, but yeah, is Carr yes. you know Garoppolo's got 16-3 cap number this year, whereas Carr was going to be upwards of almost I think like 41 or something like that. But yeah, to uh, yeah, so it's it's probably a better thing for them in the long run. And, and Tony was asking; he heard Raiders can get out after one year. So yes, they can. It if they if they get out of it before, and this is interesting too. So Las Vegas forever always did their vesting dates, which is you know if you have an injury guarantee for Mike knows this, but for people that are listening and don't know this, say you had like an you, for Jimmy Garoppolo, if he has an injury guarantee in twenty twenty four. Teams can make it where it'll vest. It'll turn into a full guarantee. Well, Las Vegas always did those very, very early in the process, usually the fifth day of the waiver period, which is five days after the Super Bowl. Now, and I think they finally learned their lesson. I think Derek Carr was the the final straw that broke that back. Jimmy Garoppolo has third day league year, which is two days from today of – of vesting dates. So, and I noticed that on three or other four uh, Las Vegas deals, they all now are, are newly gear vesting dates. So it looks like they finally convinced uh, Mark Davis and them to get off of that early waiver period thing. So I say that to say they could get out of the Jimmy Garoppolo deal with like six and a half million dead money if they did it by March 17th of 2024. So yeah, they could definitely, they could easily get out of it out of one year. Uh, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I wouldn't yeah, be shocked so. if they drafted a quarterback. I, I don't know if I'd bet on it, but it, it wouldn't shock me. No, and, and you know, let, let's get into that because I kind of wanted to pick your brain on that. I mean, Geno Smith doesn't prevent Seattle from taking a, taking a quarterback. Nope. Jimmy Garoppolo does not prevent Las Vegas from taking a quarterback. And now it starts, you know, because for the longest time, I, 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 I felt pretty confident in saying that, it felt like quarterback was going to go one, two, three, you know, yes. with Carolina, Texas, and then somebody's probably going to trade up to three with Arizona. I feel feel fairly confident in that. I'm sorry, Patrick Storm is just him and Bobby Wagner. It's he says that message every every week. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, so you know, if somebody trades up with Arizona, you know, maybe maybe the Colts feel like somebody made late frog them into number three. And, you know, maybe Indianapolis has to make a move. I feel like the grit, I feel like the, the fans are starting to catch up to what the teams have grades on uh, Anthony Richardson, which is, I think a lot of teams have him grade a little bit, maybe outside of the top 10, but that doesn't mean they won't take him out of the top 10. But I think it's very easy that the, not the Falcons, but the Raiders, and maybe even the Titans, you know, all these kind of teams can hop up to number three. Same with the Seahawks, 
since they have pick number five, can hop up to number three and get that third quarterback, whether it's Levis or Anthony Richardson. So, what, I mean, I, I know we're a month and a half away from the draft, but what's your sense of that whole situation today as it stands after we get through a little bit of free agency? My sense is quarterbacks go one, two, three still. Uh, I don't believe the Panthers trade up for Bryce Young. I mean, you look at the betting markets, and it's changed a little bit over the course of the week. You know, Stroud shot up to be a pretty heavy favorite by Saturday afternoon of this past weekend. Yeah. Um, now he's at like minus 220, minus 200. Uh, but there's still, you know, if people actually think Bryce Young or Richardson could go number one, uh, now is the time if you have disposable income to make those bets <laughs> because you can get them a pretty good plus money. Um, yeah. Like, I, I I just look around. I I like Bryce Young a lot. He is my top quarterback in this class. Me uh, too. Just, me too. You know, just my just my sense. I don't break down film or anything like that. I just watch college games. So Bryce Young's my number one guy. I do not believe Carolina traded up to number one to draft somebody who's five foot ten, which is obviously his big weakness. To me, it's Stroud or it could be Richardson. I think it's Stroud. And, and this whole business, like I, I got into a little back and forth with Sam Munson of Pro Football Focus on Twitter. Oh, that's because that. he. Yeah. Yeah, he put out this idea that like, oh, you know, the, the Carolina controls it. Uh, they trade it up without knowing like who their guy is. And I'm like, I'm just like sitting here thinking because sometimes when I'll get so in deep in, into an argument, I'll kind of zoom out and, and think like, okay, well, if they moved up to number one, the number one overall pick, giving up the two twos, the extra one, DJ Moore, and they did that without knowing who they drafted, like who else in the last 25 years in the NFL has done that? I, I just I can't recall anybody doing that. And I, I can only go based on like what I've observed in my lifetime of how football teams work. And this idea that Carolina moving down to number four, I, I think is insane. Yeah. I think it's numerically insane. It's mathematically insane. That's, it makes no sense at just, all. That's just I, stoking it, a fire with Houston. That's yes. complete bullshit. Yeah. And I, I would I would love to do like some sort of like reenactment or uh imagination of what a phone call between Scott Fitterer and Nick Casario would be because as critical as I was about Casario 30 minutes ago about free agency, I trust Casario almost implicitly to do the brinksmanship thing, to do a deal or not do a deal. And the evidence is what he did with Deshaun Watson last year, that he set a price tag, he got his number, they got four teams, and they, they executed it perfectly. Um, so I trust Casario when it comes to things like this. I mean, what? they Carolina calls and, say, and says, hey, do you want to move off the board? And I'm Nick, I'm like, you guys trade no. up to number one. Like, what uh, <laughs> What are you calling me for? You yeah. trade up for somebody. Yeah. And they're saying, well, we know you want Bryce Young. And I'd be saying, like, you, I don't think you're drafting Bryce Young. I think yeah. you're drafting CJ Stroud. He's like, got to be ready to call his bluff. Not, or may not even enter the phone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's nothing nothing Carolina could say that would be able to convince Casario. And I'm speculating, of course, but. There's, there's nothing that you should be able to tell him to make him move off and go, oh, you know, that's a good point. I think I do need to move up to number one. There's absolutely nothing. And absent the fact that Houston is in on Stroud. But I, I, I don't think they are. So, I mean, I think part of it is I think you have to, in order to do that, I do think at some level you'd have to be comfortable with taking two quarterbacks. But at the end of the day, which I think the Texans, I think the Texans are, I think. I haven't talked to anybody, just my sense. I think they would be. But I think the Panthers are taking C.J. Stroud. Yeah. So I think yeah. the Texans will not be hurt by the idiocy that happened in Week 18 because I think the guy they prefer is Bryce. And I think Carolina traded up for C.J. Stroud. And I think the Texans are going to get away with it. 
Yeah. That's my overall evaluation of the situation there. Yeah. If you got any questions, concerns, throw them up on the board. We'll get to as much as we can here in these last 10, 15 minutes. Um, Some, somebody asked about center, which I, I yeah, do think is I a mystery. Get to that one here. Let's see here. Where did that because one? let's see. So Connor McGovern, NFC version signed. Jake Brendel, who we heard all sorts of rumors about, re-signed in San Francisco. Bradley Bozeman re-signs in Carolina. Bradbury re-signs in Minnesota. Uh, Kelsey comes back. That was obviously Philadelphia robust. Um, so yeah, there's not a whole, you know, you could sign the other McGovern from the jets. Who's a useful player. Um, Ben Jones is out there, um, who I guess I'd prefer over Scott Quesenberry, uh, Posick re-signed in Cleveland. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I, I don't know what the plan is at center. Yeah. I don't, you know, I think they, they met, I think they ran on Brindle. I don't think they would have been in on Bozeman. He, that's not his own. Zone yeah, it seems like kind a, of guy. Yeah. He's a he's a big power power gap kind of guy. Yes, Posick. You know it. it that one would have caused me a little bit of concern just because he's coming from Bill Callahan, <laughs> and yeah. it seems like you nobody's ever going to play as good as they do from under under his stance. But um, Bradbury was probably one of the other ones that I was would have. Been I wanted him in. Yeah. Would have been, and that's a reasonable and his, deal. And yeah, five and a half, five point two five million per year. That one kind of threw me off, but uh, yeah, it's gotten very, very tight, very, very quickly. There's only a couple of centers in the draft, maybe three. That would, and, and again, that that know, puts that you in a situation where, like, yes, top three. So, do you end up? Does that, like, I assume you're going to say, does that put you in a position where you end up reaching for somebody? Yeah, or, or just locking yourself in. Now, thankfully, they have the two first-round picks, but, like, you take a quarterback, you take whatever best available at 12, and, like, does that, like, basically lock you into a center with your second-round pick, which could work out fine, but then I'm in a situation where I basically have to take a center with that pick, and then I got to plug him in as a rookie. I mean, I don't have to, but I'd like to plug him in to play in front of a rookie quarterback. It, it just, it seems like, like, that's, if I had to ask, Casario about one specific position and what the philosophy has been center would be that position because I don't really understand bringing back Quesenberry and not pursuing one of these guys. Yeah. I think McGovern, like you said, AFC version McGovern would probably be the only one that would make sense. Ben Jones. I think I would view Ben Jones as somebody that would maybe be a, you sign after the draft kind of, you know, if you just completely whiff in the draft and, you have no other options and make sure Ben Jones still wants to play, you know, make sure he can still walk. He, he was pretty beat up last year. So, you know, it, it, you hope they have some kind of plan out there. I don't know of any kind of trade opportunities that would be available. I haven't even tried to research any trade opportunities out there, but I, I would imagine it would be pretty, pretty slim picking. So I agree with you. I think that's probably, one of the going to be the biggest priorities once they get past this first wave, second wave of free agency to figure out what is the plan here. Cause we obviously cannot run into the seat. They obviously cannot run into the season with Scott Quesenberry and Jimmy Morrissey as their top two guys. <laughs> yeah. It just, it's not a viable option. So like if you wanted to, that, that Bradbury contract, it just, it seems so feasible. And he, have, to do. Yeah, and he may have just wanted to stay there. I mean, it's That's possible. Yes, of course. Yeah, it doesn't have to uproot his life. I get it. I get it. Yeah, that part's always the tricky part. And, you know, that, you know, Dalton says the Ohio State 
center would be a steal. So it's Luke Whipler, Joe Tipman, and John Michael Schmitz are the top three consistent consensus centers in the draft. Yes. They're all projected probably late second, early third round type draft picks. Once you get past those three guys, then you're really dropping down into the to the deeper day three picks. And maybe you can find maybe you can find end up finding somebody there. It's just it's a tough projection to get that far. So it's one of those three players when you just looking at PFS big board uh, Whipplers ranked 46 overall, Tipman 53, and, and Schmitz at 68. So they're all just kind of grouped together. It just kind of depends on which one would maybe project better in your scheme, interview, things like that. They all graded almost near identical to each other. So that's probably going to be the three, the three consensus out there. So Corey wants to know what's the timeline look like on a Cook's deal. I have no clue when that. I have not heard well, anything on when would, or if that's going to happen. Or I, I would I think just, before, I just know he wants out. Yeah, I would think the timeline would be before the draft. So next month and a half. Yeah. This seems like this is probably 95% to get done uh, either way. And you're just hoping to get as much compensation as possible. But yeah, that, they're, that to they're me not up happen. against it to to have to do it today or tomorrow. And yes. that, that's worth mentioning for sure. So – you know, compensation, I, I've been steadfast on it that I think it's going to be a fourth or a fifth rounder. It just depends on how much how much money Houston's willing to take on from the $18 million that's fully guaranteed via his base salary. One question I had for you, Mike, specific to Brandon Cooks, see if this makes sense in, in my line of thinking, is you saw Lazard and Chica and Myers both go for, what, $10, $11 million. Juju uh, Schuster-Smith. Think when uh almost twelve around eleven I think yeah eleven to twelve so we're just gonna say eleven million for the for the big three uh, free agent wide receivers eleven million per year does it make sense that you if he's got a if Cooks has a salary of eighteen million does it make sense that you take on six million of that salary to bring it down to 12 to be in line with what kind of the free agent market would be. Cause I, I assume hmm. cooks would probably be around that kind of valuation if he were just an open free agent. Yeah. I think it's probably a fair valuation um, just because of age, arguably declining explosiveness felt like, like I, I honestly, it felt like a soft market for receivers period. Cause oh, I don't think Jacoby Myers is great, but like I was looking at the numbers. I'm like, man, could Jacoby Myers make like 16 million a year? Nope. Not the case. Uh, yeah, it, listen, I have no qualms with taking on more money. If it gets me a better draft pick, that is the exact kind of trade this organization should be making all the time. If it gets me a better pick, I will take on more money. And I think your theory is, I think is fairly reasonable. Yeah. So if they, if they didn't take the, if they didn't adjust the contract at all, Corey, they would get, let's see here. They would end up with about. 10.2 cap savings before a player replaces placement in top 51. So roughly $10 million in cap savings, 18.5 million cash savings. That number, that savings would drop, you know, aligned with however much if they took on 6 million, then there would only be a 4 million cap savings. So that would be how that would work out. Uh, I, you know, maybe, maybe the, you know, it's not a, very huge it's not a real big draft for wide receivers there's no real game changers in this draft there's probably nope. a 
a lot of wide receiver two type players in this draft. Um, but there's no real game changers. There's no Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase type players in this draft. So maybe that works in Houston's favor. Um, you know, this could drag all the way out to to draft night. And uh, I, I'm mentally viewing this pick as the replacement for that idiotic pick that they lost for the, you know, Watson twenty five thousand dollars or whatever that, that was. That was the NFL, and I, I'm nobody can convince me otherwise. That was the NFL going. We never had a chance to punish you for the Watson (laughs) situation. So we're going to use this situation to do it. Cause if that was it, I talked to two different people in league circles and, and said, does this make sense to you? And they said, no, if this were any other team without the Watson situation entanglement, this would have never have been even made aware of this would have been a salary cap adjustment. They would have just gotten that money taken off of their cap yeah. this year. And it would have just been a a, neg- a a debit off of their cap. And nobody would have known any different. It would have yeah, been buried in their annual adjustment. But yes. I'm convinced that's what the NFL did. And you're not because going to convince me otherwise. It would be relatively shocking <laughs> if during COVID that no other team of the other 31 did something vaguely similar. Yeah. Except there was no need for Sports Illustrated to be poking around at some of those players across the league. Yeah, I, I agree with you a thousand percent. That's a good theory. Yeah. Oh, my favorite fan, Birdie, says I'm always right about everything. Where do rumors of not taking QB at two come in? Where do any rooms come from, man? They, I, I don't know. You know, I get messages from people that, that, you know, I trust. And, you know, this person who sent me this about pick number two and not taking a QB was spot on with Carolina trading up to number one about six hours before it happened. Um, you know, so I, I, I do trust that person pretty well. And that's where that was coming from. And, you know, and he said that that's where – you know, there was just some some chatter across the league. I don't know at what serious level it was at. So it may have been oh, just chatter or it may have been nothing. Let's look at the combination of words and actions. So up until Bobby Slowick spoke like a week ago, they had never even mentioned the name Davis Mills, Nick Casario, nor D'Amico Ryans. They signed Case Keenum this week. I don't think they signed Case Keenum to be the starting quarterback in 2023. So if they're not planning to take a quarterback at number two are they planning to start a guy who was not even named by the new head coach on multiple occasions i mean that just seems a little weird to me yeah i don't know it's they wouldn't even name a quarterback for like like two weeks kept saying we have have a quarterback for the roster yes um Do, do you think that if they um if they draft a quarterback at two what do you think happens to davis mills So there's kind of two sides to this. I think if I were Davis Mills, I'd be asking the team, hey, can you can you work out a trade to a place where I have a better shot? But from a team aspect and asset utilization, having Davis Mills as your QB two or QB three or whatever you want to consider it deal at his rookie deal, you know, third year, third round contract for two more years is a huge asset to have because he's, it's not, it'd be different if he had no experience, but he's got, you know, a, a, lot year, of a year and a half worth of experience. So if you're, if your rookie quarterback gets hurt week three, 
maybe Davis Mills can bridge it over or, you know, maybe they choose to have Case Keenum as QB too. But point is, is I think having Davis Mills on this roster has a lot of value from a depth perspective, depth perspective at your quarterback position to where if you start out and this rookie quarterback's just on fire and you're winning three or four games early on and then he gets hurt, Davis Mills can maybe come in and bridge that gap for two or three weeks. So that would be my thinking now, but I also can understand from the other perspective where Davis Mills says, I see the writing on the wall. I'm going to be third on this death chart, no matter what, let's try to figure out a way for me to get elsewhere. And I don't even know what kind of value he would have to be honest with you. Yeah. That's my sense on the business of football, that if you're his agent, if, and when the Texans draft a quarterback at two, they got Keenum as the backup. You're probably going to Casario and saying, Hey, you know, let's look around the league and see give me a spot where he has a better chance of playing in 2023. I, I agree with you. Yeah. So Texas range time says when teams restructure a contract, does the player have to agree to it? So it depends on the contract. So Houston and a lot of teams do this. New England does not conversely, but they will put in a paragraph in the contract that gives them automatic conversion rights. So they can just go in and it's literally an accounting function. They're converting base salary to a signing bonus, but the player still gets paid throughout the season. He doesn't get that money up front. It's literally just an accounting adjustment of how the salary cap dollars are allocated across the salary cap. If they go in and add void years, which you see like New Orleans, um, Carolina, Detroit, those teams do that quite a bit. That's when a player has to agree to the to a new contract and that's when they may be able to finagle hey well let's do the signing bonus up front as part of this conversion we'll help you out and give you void years the one team that did it a little bit tricky and you might like this mike was washington redskins they had three contracts were inside the automatic conversion paragraph they put in we also have the right to add up to two void years as part of as part of the conversion So they negotiate that as part of the deal. I was blown away when I saw that. But to answer answer the question, it depends on the contract. In Houston's case, more often than not, they can just do it. They they give the player a piece of paper. It's a new signing bonus addendum to the contract. It's just one page. Sign it. Blah blah blah. Off they go. They still get their money the same. If it's a new deal with void years, then yes, they would have to agree to it. So it just kind of depends on the situation. I, I actually did, I actually did not know that about the um, I thought they got the money up front when they did the conversion, but no, it's just yeah. like it, it's pure accounting. It's pure accounting. Yep. I'll, I'll remind me. I'll, I'll send you a contract, and you can. Well, yeah, I'm intrigued. You, you can look at that Deshaun Watson contract if you still have it. I, I I still got it. Don't worry. The Houston one. I think it's it's in there. Um, let's see here. Gotta pray Ryan Kelly gets cut. See, this is the thing. Like. Indianapolis is not in a different spot than you are. They want a good center too. So what does it say if they're cutting Ryan Kelly as far as what he might have left? Yeah, I don't, I mean, I know India was a little tied up against salary cap, but, and he's due over 10 million in compensation this year between base salary and, and, but I mean, they're still in shoot. They're actually better than I thought they were at 25 million in space. Oh, that's right. They let go of Matt Ryan and traded Gilmore. So that's where that space came from. So I, I'd be shocked at this point, like Mike says. It just it just creates a new hole for them to fill with no no options to backfill it with. So at this yes. point, I, I, I think Ryan Kelly may be, 
there to say. Can you guys talk about your sources to about our picket number? I no, I I can't really say I, anything I, beyond what Beyonce. I mean, I I, mean, I just I would talk to people and you, you hear things and you just try to determine who's who's got better information and whatnot. I mean, but there's yeah. tea leaves out there. You, I mean, you try to look at all the information as best you can, and and you know you you'll hear. Just today, where Lance Zerline and, and John Granado were talking this morning, they put up on the Sports Map YouTube channel, you know, that it's not really set in stone what they'll do it to. And we know Lance is pretty well plugged in. So, I mean, it, it, it's going to change from week to week, Josh. But I mean, it, it's going to, I mean, I feel pretty confident after the fact that they didn't sign Jimmy Garoppolo or any other big name veteran quarterback that, yes, they, they got to be going. Going number two at quarterback. Yeah, that, that's been my sense the whole time. Um, I think it was a mistake to win it in week eighteen, but um, I think that they, I think that they have had two quarterbacks they liked the whole time, uh, which is why I guess that decision will not, or the attempt will not cripple them. Um, and I think they're going to end up with the guy that they prefer in Bryce Young. That that has been my overall sense since probably late December. Yeah. Biggest need. Whew, it's still a lot of needs. I mean, they still need, like we said, QB one center. They need a speed wide receiver. That's, yes. you know, and, and it makes me wonder if like, I guess, assume Brandon, Brandon Cooks gets traded, you know, does Nico slide over to that, to the X uh, receiver spot? And you have Robert Woods, who's the, the Z and has does a little more run blocking underneath work, but it, under that scenario and, Kind of depend, you know, it depends on if John Mechie makes it back or not. You really don't have that burner on this roster, so I think that's another spot. RB two, you know, Mike Boone and by the way, go ahead. See, this is what I find hilarious about the way that the Texans run things. Cap, can you like, can you imagine the conversation that's happening at NRG Stadium this Monday, two days ago? So whether they're like, guys, we need to sign Mike Boone today. Like that's what fascinates me. Like what, there's always what, one. I mean, Eric yeah, Murray like, was that one too. Everybody was like, "Who the hell is this guy? Why is like, he getting what? a wave one?" I mean, luckily it was a low level deal, but why is he getting signed? Like you said, like two hours into the tampering period. Yes, yeah. Like we we got to make sure to lock up Mike Boone on day <laughs> one of NFL free agency. Yes, <laughs> that's so our, what is mystifying to me. Yes. Uh, I still I, I still think tight end is a need. Yeah, uh, tight end RB two linebacker RB two is a need. Yeah, linebacker is yes. going to be a need, even if they sign Perriman and and sweep out uh, Kirk Kirksey. D line I had on here is a need, and I think you're still going to have some kind of need there on the edge at least. Not yes, maybe they've kind of shored up the interior a little bit. Yeah, the, then, the interior could be actually pretty decent here, but the edge they need help. And the uh, they generally. I had yeah, slot cornerback with Tavier Thomas re-signed. Is is can I can chop that one off the list? I mean, but, they have you know passable NFL players at a lot of these defensive spots, but you know it's just hard to field a good unit in the NFL unless you have standout players, which is what they don't have at the moment. I mean, they could in Stingley and Petrie, but we shall see. Yeah. So beige from uh, good to see, you, bud. So do we see any more? I would say they're probably pretty close to done. Maybe Perriman is their next uh, decent free agent signing. But, you know, if they sign him and they 
and they let go of Kirksey, that still puts the team at like 64, no, 65 players under contract. On a 90-man roster, you know, 10, 10 draft picks puts them at 75. Uh, undrafted class of 10 players puts them at 85. So, you know, maybe they sign one or two more players, but I really don't see it being much bigger than what they're at now. Let's that makes see. sense. Jake Oz get traded before the season. Yeah, that's what we talked about. It probably gets traded before the draft. I'd say 95%. Yeah. Yeah. Well, these comments got away from me. Y'all threw them up here quickly. Let's see here. And one other. I'm just going to check my talking points one more time. Oh, Jalen Carter. Yes. <laughs> That's wild. I mean, what, what, I get what, that he's dealing with. What are his agents doing? What is going on there? He showed up at his pro day just out of shape, nine pounds overweight, couldn't finish, didn't want to do any of the testing drills. And then the drills he did run, he couldn't even finish because he was out of shape and out of breath. And I mean, it's, and I get it, man, the, the mental stuff that he's dealing with right now is, is probably a huge piece of that. But that is a, I mean, at first, I, and I, I had tweeted it at the time when the, the, the first batch of news came out. I was like, is this going to be a Lyle Collins type slide or is this going to be a Laramie Tunsil slide? And at yeah. first I thought it was going to be, and I still think it's probably a Laramie Tunsil. I don't think he falls you know, way out of, but now it's definitely very conceivable that he gets outside of the top 10 and, could be he there. Could be there at twelve. At twelve, and begs the question: do you, Is that somebody Houston should be interested in at twelve? I mean, his talent is just off the book, off off the charts. I just don't know if yeah. the team would be willing to bring that in. Somebody tweeted today that that decision would be made at the ownership, head coach, and GM level, which I feel like it would be anyway in the first yeah. round. Um, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, like with this situation, like that would be a cow. That would be. I mean. Like, I, I like what? What is Cal McNair going to say about drafting Jalen Carter at twelve? Like, with all due respect, that's a Nick and D'Amico decision to me. And yeah, I strongly consider it. Uh, people owe Todd McShane apology. Like, yeah. NFL Twitter loves loves to dump on guys when it's like, hey, anonymous sources say that this guy's got bad character, which I know is a, pr- a pretty subjective thing. But like, while most of the NFL players I've dealt with seem like largely pretty decent human beings and good guys, like. There are guys in the league who are not good human beings, or there are guys who might be good human beings who are lazy, and there are guys who are in the NFL who who don't work hard, and nobody's going to go on the record and ever tell you that because they're under contract to NFL teams. So people like in McShay's position, or I think Orlovsky with Fields a couple years ago, you have to be judicious when you report stuff like that and make sure that the information is good and people aren't just trying to like you know manipulate the draft with that. But Todd McShay... A month and a half ago, talk about the rumors about Jalen Carter and NFL Twitter just annihilated him, which, which they love to do. And nobody's apologized to him. And Todd McShay was right. He yeah. was right about that. Yeah, I'm with you there on that one. And that would be a fact. I would. I, I mean, I I don't have a preference, you know, whether they took him or not taking him. I'd leave that. You know, that's the, the team's decision. But that would that's going to be a fascinating situation to monitor for the next Three weeks. I mean, his interviews yes. are going to be critical at this point. Yes, um, absolutely. To where he gets drafted. So, Rose asks, is there any other prospects in the 12-pick range that you're not drinking the Kool-Aid hype? Not a fan of Venice personally. So, I mean, I, I, I'm i a big, at this point, kind of trading back from 12. 
Um, definitely not on the Quentin Johnston train. I, I don't really want him at all. I would rather get someone like a Jalen Hyatt, Hyatt at the back of the first round, top of the second round, or a Ninjigba. But, I mean, I, it's still so early in the draft, and it's, things are going to shift so much. I really don't – I mean, but I still would love to have an edge guy, regardless if it's Van Ness or somebody else. I think that's going to be one of the biggest needs for this team is, is edge. And, you know, maybe, you know, hopefully I would, the scenario for me would be if you could trade back from 12, get back into that 18 to 25 range where, you know, Nolan Smith is at that type of player. And that would be exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I I would like, I, I would bank on that. I like that kind of athletic profile. Like a guy who's a hell of an athlete was one of the best players on, an elite team. I know he didn't play a whole lot this past season, but you see the, the athleticism, athleticism at the combine. Yeah. I'm curious, Cap. So you want to trade down from 12? Is your goal to get a third round pick by doing that? Yeah, yeah. I think second and third round pick is where a team can really create a massive amount of value on their yes. roster if they can hit on a second or third round pick. So yes. if you're able to get another quote-unquote dot a dart at the dartboard with another third-round pick by moving back six or seven spots, and I am all for it. I mean, that gives you another shot at one of the centers, something like that, you know, definitely all for that kind of move. But if your guy's there at 12, you know, don't trade back. Fine with either way. Yes. Let's see what else on here. You doing okay on time, Mike? I am, yes. Okay. Trying to see what else. There's a lot of comments trying to – Gonna try to keep my Jerry Dew trade alive from truth. Yeah, there was talk about there was talk. You know, I think Albright mentioned it a few times that there was talk about moving one of the one of the wide receivers out of there. But whether it was Cortland Sutton or or Jerry Judy, seems like Tim, Tim, Tim Patrick is the one guy they want to keep. I just can't get a gauge on what kind of value Jerry Judy would command in a trade. Yeah, I mean, are you giving up a second round pick for him? Um, like the whole, yeah, the whole thing's kind of confusing. I, I've always been a big fan of his talent. Um, I've always felt like he was a very talented guy. Are you willing to get? You know, if you're doing this, then you're trading for him to be a part of your future, not just a one or two year rental idea. But like, hey, this is somebody who you're gonna bring in for your quarterback, and you want he's super young, uh, turns twenty four in a month. Yeah, uh, I would think about it. Yeah, I'd think about it. Yeah, he was number, you know, 15th overall, had 972 yards receiving last year on 67 receptions. Ooh, that's a big, big average, 10, 14 and a half per catch. Um, with, a, with a guy who was playing poorly at quarterback. <laughs> yeah, and like you say, he's only 24, had no TC valuation at 10 million. So, and you'd have to make the, the you'd have to make the uh, fifth year option decision. Um which I think if you traded for him, you're obviously going to make that make that yes. option right off the bat. And you know he's 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 contract extension eligible as well. Maybe you could build it all in as part of that trade. But I, I I'm with truth. I wouldn't have any problem taking taking on that deal if you could get. May, would you give thirty pick thirty three for him? That's a tough one. I would think about it. I would think about it. Yeah. Is Derek Rivers? <laughs> Why is that dude on this roster? I'm going to go full Cody Stoops. Why is I, he I, on this roster? He was Jack Easter's Jack Easterby's boy. 
From my that's understanding, my that's the other reason why he was on this roster to begin with, and then he got re-signed again. I don't know why. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna look I'm gonna look at his pro football focus grade and see. Well, he didn't play last year at all. Oh yeah, he did not play. That's right. He was on IR all year. So I forget. Yeah, I forget these things. Derek I, Rivers. I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> he was on a minimum contract. He was on a split salary last year. What does Noah Brown do well? Block. Yes. Be tall. Yes. He's definitely not a burner. <laughs> no. Four no. six four uh, forty yard dash and is a combine four five six at pro day. I don't think he worked out at the combine. I don't think he was invited. So yeah, no, he's not a burner. He's he's a big like Mike said, big guy who's a willing blocker. Yes, which is what you need in the San Francisco style offense. Yes, you got two of them already. Yes. Would you take Bijan at 12? No. I would not. Um, Landry and I discussed this a lot on Sunday. Um, oh, that's uh, biased. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, you know, you can see the appeal for it in that Bijan Robinson is somebody who, like, if this was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, you're talking oh, about a top five a, pick. Yeah, easy. Yeah. And, and he's somebody who you feel like like it's harder to build a good offense and a good defense because you typically need a, need a good quarterback to have a good offense, and that's hard to get. Um, but Bijan Robinson is instant offense from the standpoint of in the rushing game, in the receiving game. The guys are really willing and really good pass blocker as well, so you can have them in there on all three downs. I just think that when you're in the roster position the Texans are in, I mentioned excess yeah. roster value like an hour ago. I, I lean towards like using much – uh, lesser assets at running back at this stage. That's what I would lean towards. Yeah, it, if this team was a 9-10 win team sitting in the 15-18 to 18 draft spot with a totally quarterback under roster, then that's – yeah, that's a beautiful time to take Bijan Robinson. But I, I just don't think this roster is in that place. You know, I, I kind of equate it to, like, the Giants taking Barkley. They just weren't in that roster you know, in that exactly. direction yeah. to take that. And trust, I, I agree with you. I would love to have him. I think he would be a beautiful 1A, 1B with Pierce. Yes. And somebody who can play wide receiver as well. Heard Denver wants a first, right? That's for Judy. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. You know, if you were them, that's what you'd want. Yes. Yeah. Especially because and they don't you, have one, right? Yeah. And you, and you, and you used, utilized a, a first round pick to draft him and he's put up very good numbers in his first three years. He was injured the second year, but I mean, he's put up 800 yards his first year, 500 yards the second year on half the season and 900 yards this past season. So yeah, he's put up the numbers and, and had to deal with not the best quarterbacks in his first three years. So yeah, I mean, I with you, they would want a first and they probably could get a first. Maybe it might be a future first. Um, maybe it's not the first this year, but yeah, and like Mike said, they're they're short on draft picks over there in Denver, so they would love to do that. So, and they've already, and they committed a lot of money this offseason already. They have uh, that Walmart family is really doling out. They the, have the money over on there. the O line, yeah, yeah. They've uh, where's where's my free agent spending at? But the 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 one thing that they gotta they might regret is that McGlinchey deal is the one that right now looks like a big overpay this early in the process yeah so that total like guarantee yeah. yeah total guarantees is there a uh, 131 million dollars in total guarantees handed out over seven contracts which is 
numero uno among all 32 Ross, 32 teams. So yeah, they're dull on the money. That Mike McGlinchey deal was, that was very strong. And he's, he's a smaller guy. I don't know. I'd be interested to see if that one comes back and bites him in the butt, but that's the you one can I definitely tell on. Sean Payton's getting his hands all over that roster when they're because that's what they did in New Orleans. They just for sure did everything for the offensive line and the defensive line. They built out of the trenches. He's a Bill Parcells disciple, so that makes perfect sense. Um, I think that's about all I had, Mike. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. We will yeah, see what happens no. in the next couple of days. Yeah, we'll have to get you back on maybe post-draft or right before the draft, get us another uh, Mike Meltzer reaction. But, I mean, indeed, you know, free agency is not over. <laughs> I think I mean, it it's going to slow down. This was a crappy free agency. I mean, that by, by, by past free agency classes, this was just overall across the league. This is one of the worst free agency groups we've had in a while. So that's, you know, it is just part of the situation. And, you know, to answer one of the questions again before, I think, you might see a signing or two more out of Houston, but for the most part, they're they're more or less done. One piece I am interested to see with the Shaq Mason trade, uh, there was talk about a new contract being put in place for Mason, maybe to bring down his cap number a little bit this year. Be kind of curious to see what kind of extension they do for him. Uh, he's 28 years old. Had very, very good PFF grades, good metrics coming up until this one past, his one year in Tampa just – he just, I don't know if it was a system issue, you know, playing, you know, they had a lot of injuries on that offensive line in Tampa. So, you know, he had a rough year. So you hope that you get the the New England performance that he had. But I'm, I'm very interested to see how that happens. Interested to see what happens with Christian Kirksey, if he ends up staying on this roster or not. And then, as always, we'll be standing by for Cook's trade and Laramie Tunsil extension if those things are to happen. So, a lot to still happen for Houston. Um, then, of course, the draft coming up. And, uh, you know, appreciate everybody watching in, listening tonight. Appreciate all the comments. Uh, love interacting with everybody. Um, you know, if you're new to the show, like I said, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button. It really helps out the show. And, Mike, you got anything else, bud? Not really. Just, you know, plugging along day by day. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take I've a look at though, Cap. Take take a look at that Watson contract. It's, it's I will. I've been that automatic automatic conversion rights are believe it in there. But if it's not in there, let me know. I'll find a contract and send it to you. Um, yeah, so that's it for us guys. And uh with that, we will shut it down. We will be back next Wednesday. Uh my my one of my favorite people in the whole world, Jason Fitzgerald, who owns overthecap.com, is slated to join us. I'm really excited to talk to him. So we'll be back next Wednesday. Everybody have a good evening. With that, we'll shut it down. Peace. Peace.